Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Ravi Shankar, Equity Research Analyst covering the North American transportation industry. And on this episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about the intersection of consumer demand, labor, and pressures on the supply chain. It's Thursday, May 13th at 11 a.m. in New York. Ellen, our colleague Mike Wilson spoke on Monday about how supply chain issues remain a problem for many companies just as demand is picking up. And earlier this week, the U.S. Commerce Secretary said that supply chain issues are a significant worry when it comes to the economic recovery. What's your outlook and how much could supply chain tightness weigh on GDP? It's a great question, Ravi, because on one hand, when you've got supply constraints, it means that we are going to need to build inventories to alleviate those. And inventory building can actually contribute to GDP for a time. And given these supply constraints, we think it will contribute to GDP for longer than expected this year. But at the same time, if we just can't build those inventories, then eventually production does start to fall. And so that does start to affect aggregate demand. And depending on how severe it is, and how prolonged, you can start to shave off a percentage point or more off of GDP growth. Labor also seems to be a big piece of the supply chain squeeze. Unemployment just ticked up, yet employers are scrambling to fill positions, and that doesn't quite make sense. So as we continue to reopen, do you see that changing at all? Labor is an interesting story here, and it does create supply constraints as well. And in particular, in the U.S., it's on the services sector side predominantly. And so we're seeing concerns among workers in terms of, you know, am I still concerned about getting COVID? Am I concerned about the rate of vaccinations? I've got a lot of excess savings that I've built up from all of the government stimulus, and I also have extended unemployment benefits that I'm currently receiving. And so when you weigh that against a lot of the low-wage workers that make up the service sector industry, there's not quite a balance there in terms of a strong driver to get back to work. And in some ways, our consumer survey suggests that households may just think, well, why not enjoy my summer because I've been robbed of my summer last year. There's a lot of confidence in the labor market prospects we can see in the surveys. And so there's confidence that when I do want to get a job, it will be there for me. What that means is in the meantime, it does continue to pressure labor costs higher in the service sector industry. And it's just another input cost that adds insult to injury in terms of the rising cost of doing business that we're seeing right now. Speaking of the excess savings and trying to have a good summer, your recent retail sales tracker showed a 1.8% increase in April core retail sales on top of a 9.7% increase in March. Is this just a reopening surge or will we see a plateau here? Yeah, so actually it's neither, Ravi. So, you know, we got our last round of stimulus checks in March And the bulk of those did go out in March, but there's a significant amount that did not go out until late March. And typically, households spend those checks within about 10 days. And so there's a good deal of that spending that probably wasn't captured until the April data. Now, of course, I say that reopening isn't part of the story. It is to a certain degree because we can now go out and spend those checks on more things than we could in the past. But as we get further and further away from the stimulus checks, it's really the importance of bringing those jobs back and replacing those government transfers with labor income that will help people continue to spend at a steady pace. 
But I have some questions for you as well, Ravi. So I want to talk to you since you cover the U.S. transportation and data around shipping and freight volumes are a window into some of these issues. What are you hearing in particular from your sector? Well, transportation, again, the beauty is that it's kind of like having the finger on the pulse of the U.S. economy. So as the U.S. economy goes, so will the transportation sector. And we are seeing all of the above. We are seeing demand be very strong right now. And our shipper surveys that we do have come back with the lowest inventory levels and the highest need to restock in the 15-year history of our survey. So definitely, we think there's a lot of the demand side of the equation that's ahead of us. So right now, we are in an unprecedented combination of demand surging and supply as tight as it's ever been. That is driving the tightest truck market in history, the tightest air freight market in history, and the tightest ocean shipping market in history. The good news is that this is all likely to normalize. The bad news is that it's probably not going to normalize for at least two or three quarters. So add that to another kind of variable for companies and industries across the country. Well, another issue, as you mentioned, is the labor shortage. Is that something you're seeing in freight as well? And how much does that contribute to the supply chain squeeze? On the trucking side, we've certainly had a structural labor issue for decades because trucking is the number one job in the country. And yet there's been a demographic shift with truckers retiring. Obviously, millennials don't want to be a truck driver. And so there's been a gradual exit of capacity in the industry because of that. And that has been exacerbated in recent years by regulation changes Things like the ELD mandate in 2018, the drug and alcohol clearinghouse with truck drivers in 2020, some of the truck insurance surcharges we saw last year as well. So these were structural labor issues that were likely to pressure supply on the trucking side. And keep in mind that trucking is about 80% of all the freight transportation capacity in the U.S. And that has been made worse by the pandemic for a few reasons. Number one, again, stimulus checks have uh, given people a reason to not have to potentially put their lives at risk and kind of go out on the road. Second, again, because it's a bit of an aging demographic, many of the truck drivers have stayed at home during the pandemic as well. And third and most important, the truck driving schools have been closed because obviously you cannot have two or three people sitting in the cab of a truck uh, learning how to drive during the pandemic. Will this get better? I'm sure it will. But I think the labor tightness is probably a structural issue that we're going to have to deal with going forward. So, Ravi, you know, in terms of shipping costs, they're up dramatically since last year. Do you think those shipping costs will continue to rise? Unfortunately, I think the answer is yes, probably. And to your point, the you know, truck rate, truck pricing is at an all-time high and up about 75% uh, year over year, uh, probably up 100% versus normalized levels. On the ocean and air side also, we have rates that are up about 100% versus normalized levels. Now, we've done some really in-depth collaborative work with our retail teams that shows that brands and companies that have pricing power will end up passing that on to their customers. But for companies that are basically commodities or don't have that pricing power, they are going to have to eat that cost inflation. So we think shipping is likely to continue to be an inflationary item for many companies across the spectrum, at least until the end of the year. Thanks, Ravi. And certainly tied to that lack of inventories, I suppose we've got to do a lot more inventory building to get those costs under control. So let me turn a bit here to talk about 
U.S. airlines, because you also cover that sector. And I know in our consumer surveys, households have been increasingly tell us they really want to get out there and travel. That does include airline travel. I noticed that they want to stay domestic. They don't want to travel internationally so much. But since we're all trying to gauge when are we going to return to travel, what that timeline looks like, you know, how do you see the next 18 months and what's the relative health of the airline industry after the last year? Now you've got me really excited. I mean, I, I really can't overstate how bullish and constructive we are on an air travel recovery. And we have been since we launched coverage of the space last fall. Look, I just think that there's a lot of pent-up demand. I mean, certainly in my case, uh, I'm just dying to go on vacation as soon as I can. And I think a lot of the general population feels the same way. We have seen that already, even though kind of we're just over the hump in terms of 50% uh, vaccinated so far. U.S. air travel numbers have already reached about 1.7 million a day. That's uh, only about 30% shy of the kind of normalized level, which is like two, two and a half million a day compared to 2019 levels. And we think we exceed 2019 levels by later this summer. And in fact, we can go a, a lot beyond that. I mean, you highlighted earlier about the consumer balance sheet being in great shape and the $2.3 trillion of excess savings. Typically, 17% of the PECE wallet goes to travel. If Air gets 17% of that 2.3 trillion excess savings, that would be double the entire normalized revenue base of the U.S. airline industry. So, yes, it starts with U.S. domestic, but I think as soon as international travel is reopened and borders are reopened, we think people will travel international as well. And, uh, yeah, we think there's this huge wave of pent-up demand that's about to be unleashed over the next 6 or 12 months. Oh, that's great to hear. And I can tell you that I'm I'm going to put as much toward that as I can making those numbers happen. I plan on visiting all my friends and family this year. So thanks for taking the time to talk with me, Ravi. Great talking to you, Ellen. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share thoughts on the market with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 